0: Beard Bros, Campfire, Fun Time. I'm Grant. I'm Tyler. We're back. It's been a gap again. We apologize. We're going to get better. It's no worries. It's
1: just life happens sometimes, you yeah. know? It's crazy out there.
0: We're making it through. So, you know, the, the usual uh, like and subscribe, do whatever, five-star reviews. Uh, we appreciate all of it. We're recording this on Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all those uh, individuals out there. We're not talking about... Uh, I'm not trying to be gender neutral, but just all the different males that fill in that role. Um, and sometimes it's, it truly is uh, a role filled in by another gender, but mostly, this is Father's Day. It's about fathers today. So, Happy
1: Dad Day. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is a bunch of stuff, like normal. Um, we're going to be all over the board. Uh, lot's happened, of course, since the the gap of time since we last podcasted, but we are here nonetheless and so is the heat we're regularly seeing ninety-five, degree temps here in Springfield Missouri for the past week or so uh it's it's been pretty darn
1: warm so any anytime it's you know in the 90s just add 10 to 15 degrees in the shop where I work and so it's it's pretty warm to say the least for sure
0: the humidity has been awful a lot of people this would i mean this would straight kill them <laughs> yeah if you're from a place that doesn't have any humidity you come here it's 80 to 100 percent humidity and oh yeah you know 95 degrees right now it's well, it's pretty awful
1: me and the older brother cassidy he went we went camping to Hooten town went floating and stuff and it was just absolutely miserable in the tent yeah. i need to kind of rearrange it a little bit better get some more airflow because i was just miserable just laying in a puddle of sweat but Which, then we jump down in the water and it's perfect. Yeah, so. that's
0: your saving grace. You know, yeah. right now I don't camp during this season, and it un- it's unfortunate. I have to be very careful about where I go foraging. Just the the vegetation right now is so overgrown already. Yeah, um, all lot, the rain, a lot of we ticks, had. a lot of bugs, yeah. a lot
1: of just everything out and about.
0: Due to the mild winter, we have a record number of ticks this year. Um, so it's I mean I've already experienced it firsthand many times. Uh, just this year alone and it's and I noticed it early so I had a feeling that once these hot season you know got here it was going to be bad and it's worse than I had ever anticipated honestly um, so you really got to protect yourself because man one t- just one little tick could be the end of your meat-eating days mm, you mm. know and that that would devastate me
1: yeah that'd be ga- that'd be a game changer
0: that's why I'm you know I, right now I'm just not going out in the woods really uh, I'm going fishing doing stuff like that still but Um, one benefit if you are like me and you still love camping and the season's just really frustrating, um, in order to maintain, you know, a comfortable temperature. Um, I like to go to a place like Stockton Lake, Crabtree Cove Mm -hmm. campground in particular because it's on like a little, uh, jutting out leg into Stockton Lake, the entire campground. So every single campsite, um, and there are, you know, 30, 40 of them, something like that, every single campsite is literally within a stone's throw of Stockton Lake, and due to the fact that you have a big open lake right there, that wind that comes across the lake tends to be faster and a little cooler. Yeah, nice breeze. Yeah, and then if you do get hot, you can just walk down to the lake and go fishing and swimming and stuff, and that's the advantage. That's something I would do right now, which, you know, it's not backpacking, you know, you're pulling up on your campsite and it's reserves. Most have power. You know, they got a picnic table. But to me, kind of this is the season for that kind of camping because it's the I want to be comfortable, but I still want to be outside.
1: Right. I'm actively researching on hillbilly ways to make AC units for my tent unit (laughs) in the back of the truck because, I mean, there's got to be something. I want to keep floating and camping, but, yeah, 90 degrees at night, 80, 90 degrees at night is just you can't do it.
0: No. And you know I've got the Goal Zero Yeti 150, um, so it's a little small portable uh, battery that you can charge it up or charge it on the go with solar panels and all that, or plug it into the wall. I wonder and if that'd run like a bank.
1: small window unit AC.
0: Uh, the AC, I don't know about that. You would need a much larger unit for the yeah. wattage because it's you know it's drawing so much current uh, yeah, yeah. constantly. Whereas I specifically bought a small little eight-inch box fan. Mm -hmm. So that this time of year, if I don't have the rain fly on my silent goal zero Yeti, because it's all electric, I just plug it in and I could run the fan all night, no problems, and still have a lot of battery because that fan doesn't do anything if you keep it on low. And oftentimes all you really need is a little bit of air movement. Yep. Because that's, you know, that stifling, sticky feeling in the tent is awful.
1: Right. And we I've I've been using like a tent that just attached to the back of the truck. And I absolutely oh, yeah, love yeah. it. Just throw a mattress back there and it's the most comfiest thing ever. Which but. that
0: helps you get off the ground a little bit. Right. But, but the it's only problem is I had it too bundled Yeah, I had yes. it
1: too bundled up because I was like, I don't want bugs in here. And we didn't have any problems inside yeah. the tent at all with the bugs. But yeah, we just, just didn't have the airflow. And the campsite that we were located at was kind of more into the woods, yeah, away from the water, so we didn't have the wind, idea, and it was just... Yeah, it was pretty miserable. But not still a fun time, though. I'd yep. do it again.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I've been catching a lot of fish lately. Went to Stockton uh, Stockton Dam to go fish. Saw tons of spotted spotted gar. Nice. I mean, oh, yeah. Tons of up. them, but I wasn't throwing anything that they'd be say, interested they'll, in. They'll
1: eat dog food or whatever you throw yeah. out there. They'll munch on it.
0: Um, tons of carp. So there's, there's catfish that would pop up every now and then but it's mostly gar out there and then i went down down the road and there's kind of a small access mm-hmm. and pulled in there and i ended up catching like two large and nice. two green sunfish and all of them were large enough i could keepers take them home yeah, yeah and clean them and then i I've got, I, like i have a vacuum sealer so i cleaned them washed them out dried them and then vacuum sealed them mm-hmm. throw them in the freezer yeah so now i have just already cleaned fish ready to go but I don't fillet my fish very often unless they're, you know, fairly large. In general, I like to cook most of my fish whole mm-hmm. and just, you know, eat around the bones because otherwise there's no way that you're gonna be getting enough meat to get anywhere near full right. off of a little sunfish or something if you're just pulling
1: That's something I wouldn't even Yeah, meat. I wouldn't even fillet at all, just throw it, you yeah. know, do halfway. Cook it in a beer can or something, whatever now, works. And
0: those end up being some of the best meals, those really easy, simple. Yeah you know, simple things that's not a lot of distraction spices, you know, or distraction right. sauces that, that you kind of forget what you're eating and right. it's just making it just a white lump of meat.
1: Well, whenever we went camping, Cass is all like, you know, hey, what do, what did you guys bring to, to eat? I'm like, Well I just brought two pounds of beef. That's all you really need. Yeah, you just and then I had a little bit of beer, put it in a pan, threw it in the fire, put that tank seven in there and dude, those were one of the best burgers I've ever yeah. had. So good. Yep.
0: It's tasty stuff Speaking of feeding people uh, Over the past couple weeks um, <clears throat> If you all are unfamiliar Which I've mentioned it once or twice on here before But we're always getting new listeners all the time People are telling people And I appreciate that um, We uh, have spoken about the TV series The Chosen Right And it's the Oh yeah
1: you went on that adventure Yeah didn't you?
0: So this is the kind of first century story of jesus and the disciples and people that kind of interacted uh historically with jesus and said people right mm-hmm. and the problem with you know the old moses movies and stuff and all that made in the 70s that
1: it's not modernized people can't no. get into it the language is a, a lot, little lot bit off. you know Just a lot weren't quite. even
0: accurate it yeah. wasn't relatable at all and yeah it was so like Dost thou havest thine.
1: You're not getting anyone's attention talking like that nowadays. Thou
0: is thine by the grace of God. <laughs> and you're like, okay, this is terrifying. This yeah. this should, you know, th- this should be a horror movie. This isn't, you know, like there's a burning bush over here. God's smiting people. This dude bashed a guy's head open with a rock. Right. They're stoning this woman. Like, this is crazy. And I'm not saying we don't talk about that and do things like that, but I feel like there's better things to highlight. When it comes to what having faith in a sole creator, the one true God, actually means and what it actually means in, in, in your daily
1: life. The actual teachings coming from either the metaphors or the stories you know, that were told. So
0: Yeah, and this series focuses on the New Testament, which I always would recommend people start, if they're interested in reading the Bible, start with Matthew. Um, it's The New Testament it's the first book. There's 27 books in the New Testament. Um, so it's a little bit of a shorter read as well. It's going to be a lot more entertaining if you're into um, relatable principles and stories and characters. But the problem often is, is that a character's name on a page is simply that, mm-hmm. a character's name on a page. And it lacks the ability to connect with the reader often, including... Mostly speaking for myself, you know, seeing Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like, who are these people?
1: Just randos that you don't really know about.
0: And you would just tie, you know, some stories to them, like, you know, this guy did this, he's famous for this, this is what happened to him. But you never, I never was able to put two and two together to find a way to make it relevant to not only today, but to myself and to my own actions and beliefs and, you know, what I should be doing, what I shouldn't. And these these characters were simply just ancient, historical, you know, text characters, yep. just font on a page. And what the it's Chosen also kinda does... kind
1: of weird a little bit that most of them didn't live past like 30.
0: Well, some of them, but, but you're also talking about in a time... Where people generally lived way longer, you're talking hundreds of years old. Like Noah got 150 years to build the ark. Yeah. So this isn't. So maybe time was a little bit different. Well, it depends on what time you're talking about, and that changes in the Bible. And God says, "I will now number the days of man, and the number of that will be on average like 120 or 100 Mm. or 80." You know, He started lowering it due to.
1: Well, and there wasn't good healthcare back then, too. Well, so. I mean, you know, they didn't not have any anything really yeah, to they not, could just pop an Advil. And you know, be all not right.
0: just that, but you know, it's the world was becoming more populated. It was also becoming more sinful, and there were many times that it's had to be leveled out at a variety of points, Plagues. which we've discussed during right. archaeology and historical evidence. We've seen multiple cataclysms, and we've talked about them on the podcast. Right, and we know that. Which is fascinating. I just watched this. Uh, it's called Expedition Bible on YouTube. And this guy goes to modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. Hmm. right? And in so Israel. The, we actually know the location. Absolutely, I absolutely. didn't know that. Well, they theorized for a long time that it was kind of northeast of the Dead Sea. But no, no, no. Hmm. It's a region. I don't remember what the region was called. But it held a bunch of these plains cities to the southeast of the Dead Sea, across the river from Israel, mm-hmm. or across the sea from the, Isra- the, the Israelites, and it's in the south portion, and what it was is a whole region, and it was a flourishing oasis of fornication and sexuality and Satanism and paganism, all forms of just, you know, anti-God well, deadly stuff. deadly sins, essentially. Yes, like all forms. And what what this guy, you know, sought out to do was is there actual archaeological evidence for the cities of sodom and gomorrah you know are
1: is there burn marks or anything yeah. like yeah so that's what I he goes wondering. to the
0: this particular museum in israel and they have allegedly behind glass a gypsum encased sulfur ball a couple stones from hmm. the area and he's just like well now i have to go see these because they're saying you could find them and so he goes to the area where the city is and you see you know, foundations and it's massive and you see over 500,000 graves that have been dug up due to grave robbers and stuff trying to get jewelry and stuff. It's right. half a sad. million people were buried. So you, that yeah. gives you a scale for the size of these cities back in the day. All right. They're massive, man. They're massive. And what happened was if you dig down a few feet – into the now excavated Mm -hmm. because the city's now been excavated. But now if you dig down just a couple feet into that soil of where the excavation is, there is a four to six inch layer of black ash, burnt bones, burnt pottery, burnt rocks Mm. across the entire region. Not just buildings, but roads, buildings, the cemetery as well that held all 500,000 people plus. So you have to think to yourself, whenever conquerors go to tribes to go and conquer the next tribe, you don't set fire to their graveyard. That's a waste no, of resources. It's right. logistically near impossible to and, burn the ground.
1: Unless the, it was close to something else that caught fire, Like a cataclysm. Or, yeah, a giant yeah area and of just devastation. All
0: you see is an entire black layer in the soil that's split up by dirt and dust and clay. Black layer, dirt and dust and clay. Hmm. So it's sandwiched a clear... Massive burn that there would have been zero survivors, but what you can't find on land in this layer Are any evidence of sulfur balls or anything, but you see a mass amount of of salt Which is what we talked about Mm -hmm. in, in the in the region that would explain a massive collision into the Dead Sea which splashes hot and cold stuff and debris and is with it a massive deposit of salt from this salty dead sea that gets dispersed across the land, which effectively what? Salts the earth. And it allows for zero vegetation to grow. And if you go to where he was today in Sodom and Gomorrah, God said there will never be anyone that lives there. Same with Babylon. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Mm-hmm. Still to this day, there's no one that lives there. It's uninhabitable. So you have to start looking at some of these historical Documents including the Bible for those of you that are secular and realize that there are some truths But if I can back up to where I said you can't find any sulfur balls here So what where did these gypsum covered sulfur balls come from in the museum? Does this mean that it wasn't here? You know is the answer something else was it really a tribe coming through and just like setting fire to everything well He spoke to a geologist And he brought up his predicament about how he couldn't find any of these sulfur balls. And what the geologist said was, well, the reason why you're not going to be able to find them is because if they crashed on land, they would have burnt out and melted. Hmm. So where you need to search is where the Dead Sea was. And it has dried up and preserved in the layers. He's like, you will find them there. Interesting. So he's like, I know exactly where that's at. That's literally just south of the area like stones throw so he goes there and you see an eroding wall that used to be the side shelf to the dead sea you know where it was greater until it lost a bunch of water right (laughs) yeah yeah and you see white stones the size of golf balls peppered throughout the entire layer and he pulls them out and he gathers like five or six of them and he's explaining they're covered in gypsum due to how they fell and they encased in like mm-hmm. minerals Right. and they got protected. But if you take these and he held it with sticks, he lit it and it ignited, burned hot, and it starts melting like napalm, still lit. He sets it on the ground, it gooifies and it still stays lit. That's wild. Dude.
1: That's wild. So
0: he found cataclysmic, sulfur bombs basically that rained from the heavens to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah he found Sodom and Gomorrah and he found those balls encased in the sediment and you can go and watch these online bible exp or expedition bible hmm. you can find it and it's like 11 minutes but it's incredibly interesting yeah that's it's just incredibly interesting because crazy. again you know we start we start uh uncovering you know, these really interesting uh, stories in the Bible and these characters that are true. Like, they've already positively verified, like, 57, 58 Old Testament characters for sure. Hmm. With, like... they have proof on. Yes, like, documents or cuneiform and writings and carvings in stone. They found a jar in a scroll that has, like, King David and the House of David on it. You know, they Mm -hmm. have... They have all these characters that they've documented and cross-referenced. So you cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater if you're secular and you don't want to believe you know, the Christian approach that the Bible is indeed the inspired word of God. I understand why you wouldn't want to do that in your, mind's, in your mindset. I totally understand. But if you could compromise with us and realize that you can find historical evidence to back up a lot of these claims and these stories and characters that can paint a much more accurate history of our civilizations and generations past well, and than what planet, we've been giving. You know? Yes. <laughs> and the planet is what we're going to get into. But I'm going to go back to The Chosen because I, w- I got a little sidetracked. Um, So I talked about how this Chosen series, it's free on YouTube. They have an app I highly recommend. Uh, just downloading the app. The app is free, and you can watch it for free. There's no charge anywhere. It's 100% viewer funded. So if you feel the the need after watching a few episodes or watching a season or two, um, if you, if you feel the calling, you know, to buy something in the in the merch shop or you know to buy the series itself on discs or the behind the scenes stuff, uh, that pays it forward, and 100% of that money will end up making it free just like it was to you and myself so the chosen is the series and it's it's the most accurate representation of the god i serve Mm, and that's what i tell people when they ask me about you know like about it even if they're of faith or not i approach it the same way as to not put people off because right. when you think about Bible shows and series, it's always the Sunday school old type.
1: timey 70s or 80s movies yeah. that are just just not good. They're not good. Or even like the old, remember the Left Behind series? That was by yeah. this guy's dad. Okay, interesting. So,
0: Jenkins. Yeah. This, um, Jerry B. Jenkins, well, his son, Dallas, is hey, wait, the one that does, does, does this. does he have a cousin, Leroy? Leroy, yeah. Leroy he actually, Jenkins! He actually likes storming into rooms and ruining everything. <laughs>
1: All right, let's do this.
0: <laughs> so yeah, the chosen—you gotta watch it. I would issue a challenge. You know, if you're on the fence and you you have any interest in learning, and you always hear people, um, say, "Well, you know, the Westboro Baptist doesn't represent me," but you kind of find yourself confused when you hear them say that because all you see are like, nut jobs. terrible Christians walking yeah. around and. and and exclaiming and proclaiming that they're living that life and serving Taking God, but things they're not
1: too literally too, and you know, and just and not. we call them
0: Pharisees. Right. You know, these are the same Pharisee leaders and mindset that they had back in the Old Testament and what they were doing to to God's word and what they were doing to the people and how they were poisoning it and becoming gatekeepers and making rules that were not supposed to be rules. And that's kind of the whole point is, you know there's a verse in the New Testament where it talks about, it says, and it's issued in The Chosen as well. You'll see it in an episode. He's like, why why, why have you come to abolish our law and prophets? Like, who do you think you are? These Jewish leaders were challenging Jesus. And he says, I have not come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Right. And it, precisely the reason as to why they were trying to keep people out and all these things, you must have the best this and all of this is precisely why he was there and why he came to die. What little did the other people know, you know, he came to die for us. Right. And he still maintained, you know, that, that perfect mindset of he has a job. He's here for a reason whether you see it or understand it or not, he loves you. And that's like the most powerful words we have in the, in our English language, right, is love. Because the Bible calls God love. God is love. And there are three that testify in heaven. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love.
1: And I want to say love is the most found word in the Bible, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Or most re- repeated word. It's... It's up there pretty high. Um,
1: Maybe it's not, yeah, the top, but I'm pretty sure it's up there.
0: Like Amen and Jesus and you know Israelites. I guess it depends on the version, for sure. Um, But but what the chosen does, you know, it represents it so well, and you just have to watch it for yourself. But we got the opportunity. My mom and I, which she's listening. Appreciate it, mom. um, Love your mother we got the opportunity to be a part of a special filming for the upcoming season three because two of them are already released, season one and two. Yeah, that's awesome. And season three has a very, very important, you know, iconic scene, um, a very important story, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, so this...
1: It's a pretty powerful miracle, especially yeah. to watch. So.
0: And after season two where it, it kind of, you know, it ends where Jesus is going to be preaching... You know, the Sermon on the Mount, which is his most iconic sermon. Um, That's where we get the Beatitudes. You know, that's where we actually get the New Testament principles of really, honestly, how to treat people, how to live, and
1: And how to be a better
0: Christian. Right. Is that sermon right there. The meek shall inherit the earth. It gave people hope, Tyler, in a way that paganism couldn't. Right. In a way that the Roman Empire couldn't. And all these, you know, dynastic religions that came before couldn't stand on the same field, you know, as something that was free anywhere, anytime, and that offered so much as saying, the meek shall inherit the earth. And, you know, that it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a poor man. So it starts painting perspectives and teachings that allow better life and truly better individual daily life like we've oh, yeah. we've talked about when you disconnect from poisonous people and poisonous distracting things
1: everything kind of turns around yeah
0: it starts it's a
1: little bit sunnier on your side starts of the fence.
0: clicking a little bit better and that's why you know i'm I never force it on anyone and and I don't talk about it unless you know it's the right kind of opportunity and moment or someone asks, but if someone you know how'd you get you know your mindset? I know Ryan Ladd asked me about that whenever he was a guest a a guest on an earlier podcast um and you know i I spoke too soon, I was correct, and I still don't change anything um I said you know having faith as a foundation is it, but that's a hard jump <clears throat> for most people to make if you're not a faith, right? so I didn't right. really make it easy to understand what it boils down to how do I get to the mindset of challenging everything and being and trying to pursue a better life for myself so that I can you know make a better life for everyone else as well? How do you get there? Well, we all live our own reality, and most of us are taught, especially in this country, almost all of us are taught. To wait and look up to a hero or a champion, no matter who it may be, whether it's an astronaut or celebrity, a sports star, yeah. or a po- politician, <clears throat> we look up to people. And what's gotten lost in the past like 20 years or so is our heroes have gotten askewed and they've made every person a hero that should not be a hero.
1: And almost idol like rather yeah. than a hero to look up that's to exactly or it. someone to worship or praise or, you know, and that's.
0: And instead of rewarding people with God, like godly character and Christ-like character. We are intentionally giving energy, emotion, and idolization to people that represent anti-God and all of his teachings, things like the Sermon on the Mount.
1: Yeah, that's the devil's plan. Yeah. Kind of slowly infiltrate and manipulate.
0: And you know, that's kind of that's that that's that's what i was meaning by having faith i just didn't explain it well enough is you need to be observant enough and open-minded enough to understand that we don't know and we will probably never ever know so many things even when you want to you just want to so bad i want to know the truth you probably won't so some things are going to take a leap of faith um and having that faith background gives you at least a foundation that you can then turn your beliefs into convictions where certain things will become, you know, pretty set. And that allows you to dabble into, you know, conspiracy or trying to figure out what's going on with certain things at certain time or with certain people. And eventually, you create your own... Um, what
1: would you call it? Like a knowledge base almost? or
0: You create your own office in your brain. With file cabinets. Yeah. And if you've paid attention and you like recall information regularly and tested it and all that, you'll eventually sort it. You'll sort like, it. You'll, yeah. you'll eventually sort, it, sort in. it into a recallable memory and you'll start seeing things like patterns of people that are just liars. That are just straight up liars.
1: Liars and deceivers. Yeah. Li-
0: savages. <laughs> just savages. <laughs> so we got down. Uh... You know, to the faith uh, settlement in that argument, or not argument in that conversation, and I still think that's what it is. But that's just what it is for me because I mentioned we 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 live in our own reality. Truly, your reality is different from me. You hear things, see things, smell things, feel things differently than me, and that's the way it goes from every other person. It doesn't matter if you're related or not at all. Right. Every single person experiences their own reality so one thing that coleon noir said recently on rogan become your own superhero of your own story stop waiting on someone else step up and realize that if you're waiting for a hero look what happened in certain school shootings and places you have heroes Sometimes sitting the heroes. on the outside waiting for a door to be propped open for that right them. right But if you step up yourself, control your own life to the point, I'm meaning control the things that you can control, release and relinquish the things that you can't, and in my case, release those to God and let him sort them out because that's what he wants you to do and he will.
1: Yeah, and the Bible says give it all to God. Put all, you know, transgressions, all that aside. Don't
0: worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, present these things to God. So you're not supposed to worry. You're not supposed to be scared of a, a flu. <laughs> you're not supposed to be scared of Russia, China. And I know for our parents, you know, it was they had nuclear bomb drills where they just get under their desk. Yeah. And before that, it was, you know, this war. And before that, it was, you know, this war. It was this thing. They're always trying to attack you fear-based. Yeah. And that goes back to the whole energy vampires. I truly think they they really do feed on our fear and energy. And what conquers fear is that, and that's love. Love and understanding. Love and understanding. A hard-headed, ignorant person, they have the ability to be racist and prejudiced and sexist. But if you show them love and understanding and you issue them a better understanding and education of the situation, oftentimes they'll revert, and it's not a big deal. They just didn't know any better. Yeah. It's just treating people with with respect. And these are are basic principles, you know, in that speech. You know, these are basic morals on how to treat people and how to be a decent human being. And if you're asking how to get to a better place, start there then. Start with the Sermon on the Mount. You'll understand um, where Jesus was coming from. Take him at his word just like you would a friend. You know, take him at his word and then start from there. Start reading more in the New Testament. Figure out that. But that's why I would highly recommend watching the show because it goes deeper into these personal connections and conversations. That these stories that you'll be reading immediately when you start in the Bible and Matthew in the New Testament. just
1: kind of clicks a little bit better. And Yeah. And it per, puts a face per, to yeah, it. Yeah, personally for me, it's better for me to watch it. I'm a visual type of person, so I can understand it way better if I've got eyes on it. Yeah. So this feeding of the five thousand, we
0: it took place uh, south of Dallas, kind of Waxahachie area. That's about ten, Texas. twelve hours away. It's about eight and a half. Oh, Dallas, from, you said. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about eight and a half ish from Springfield because it's on the south side, and you know, not counting traffic, which was awful. But yeah, basically, they needed five thousand extras, which they ended up getting ten thousand, so they could have two days worth of filming.
1: Holy cow!
0: They got ten thousand extras and COVID tested each and every single one oh, of us. Gosh, it was logistically a nightmare. A it was the worst. That girl, I literally was like, "Please take it easy on me." It's like six a.m., mm, yeah. five forty maybe. And the she's, sun she's is still just not up. She's ramming it up there on and all she was these people. Like, like, huh, it's quiet. funny. All the guys say that, and I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> and I go up, and I'm going first, and we're sitting in the car, and Mom's staring at me. She starts worrying. She's like. Seeing me, mm-hmm. visibly nervous. This girl literally scratched the back of my eyeballs in my brain. She went straight up and she was like, relax. Relax your nose.
1: How do you, you relax a cartilage. nose, dude? <laughs> How do you
0: relax a nose? <laughs> my nose is always relaxed. It, it's just my nose. Just it,
1: don't flare the nostrils. That's kind of the I, only control you I was have tipping over tipping She literally, yeah. oh, I could feel it in my tear duct. Like,
0: swelling. Like, what is going on? And she's like, it's only three rotations. And she's like, one, one oh two, my three, gosh. four, five, yeah. two, six, seven, Dude, was like twelve to thirteen. Yeah. Full circles. Three inches into my nasal cavity, into my brain. Gotta be cerebral cortex. You
1: gotta do that with ten thousand...
0: Dude, People? she poked the back of my brain so much she hit my Gosh. hypothalamus. I was thirsty. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? And then she went straight to the other nostril, and I'm like,
1: ah, oh, ah. It did duo, I'm freaking
0: huh? out. And then that girl walks around the front of the car, and now it's mom's turn, and she's freaking oh, and She's like, oh yeah. no. <laughs> oh no.
1: But <laughs> mom's done like neti pots before and that kind of stuff. Yeah, of sinuses, but it was still, but, I mean, yeah, this was
0: literally like a sharp scratch. Like, I, I hurt for 15 minutes after my nasal cavity. And I'm sitting here thinking, this lady's not trained. She's not skilled. No, she she, she, was just a helping hand. So she destroys my nasal passage. Who am I to come back to? You know what I mean? That could literally permanently destroy. How many people's nasal cavities have been wrecked by these ridiculous, never isolated tests? That don't test anything but respiratory illness in general at ridiculous numbers that and they how fabricated. how are they? Well, yeah. we found out that over 90% of the tests done with these PCR tests were false positives. Of course. Because they had the numbers cranked. Oh, weird. Like, you know what I mean? So that wasn't fun. We dealt with it, but we understood because it was the screen Actors Guild. And so you we have had to do to. it. You have to go along with the yes. r-
1: rules, or else they'll just. Yes. no, We don't need you. Someone so else. So
0: this uh- was part of the process of filming anything, you know. And this was a major production, obviously. You know, this is this is a really big event. Um. So that was really awesome. We got, we got down there after going from lot to lot. We finally got shuffled through and tested. Then we got put on buses. We're all in our first century gear, like. We all had to assemble our own uh, costumes, you know, to make it realistic. We had we had a, a variety of ethnic backgrounds that we could choose that were period-specific as well.
1: Oh, so they didn't even give you any costumes? Well, no,
0: because extras, you know, it's a completely unpaid, yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, they don't you just to spend have time to make any, sure yeah, that yeah. you get, you know, everything you're supposed to. Um, so, you know, drapings of a variety of fabrics, patterns, and colors that you had to be,
1: kind of the general garb of that day about
0: who would have had what due to what they had so some people wouldn't have like certain colors there's just things that wouldn't die out you know and you're not going to show up on on
1: set with you know nike sbs on yeah you're not (laughs) get out of here so it was head
0: to toe you know had to be first century which was awesome so um you know i had on tons of stuff i've got i've got some pictures and stuff uh it's it's pretty great. I grew my beard out extra long just to make it super authentic. Walk around, I will say, day one out of like 5,000 people, I truly didn't see another beard that was anywhere near as long as mine. Norfolk. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I'm a guess I might be on camera a little bit in that crowd. Search They're gonna for pan the beard, through
1: guys. Search They're for the pan beard. Pan through. 5,000.
0: I'm on the left side, about halfway down, literally on the edge of all the people. I'm sitting hmm. down. Got a brown hat on. But it was really cool, you know, we get on set, um, well, once we're in the field, like in our meeting place, they take people out for different filmings of different parts of the scenes, and they stage us on set at different times, and our call time was from like 9.45 to like 11.15-ish, so we were gonna be filming in this hot open field, we get shuttled down there, and we walk down to the set in this field, and, uh, they Sit us where they need to be, Cam cameras, you know, all over the place. Is, yeah. You know, Do they
1: have a whole bunch of sound guys, or is it oh yeah. just kind of yeah. oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a full outdoor so I don't know set, there's a three be camera set.
1: the thousands, or obviously the main people who's talking, but they got a bunch of different mics. Okay, they for got the like ambient noise boom in the mics. They yeah.
0: have they probably have some lapel mics hidden, you know. I imagine they have tons of mics as to not miss anything, right? Right, you know, but it was really cool. Um, cause the, the scene that we were in was obviously feeding the 5,000. So that's, if you're familiar with the Bible story, that's where five loaves of bread and two fish were multiplied to feed 5,000 people. Um, so this is the story, uh, that we were a part of and the scene would be basically, uh, Jesus is going to be multiplying five loaves and two fish and, you know, I it's remember. a miracle. Yeah, it was it was really cool. We were probably 50, 60 yards from Jesus and a few like mm-hmm. Big John and yeah, Peter and stuff. Cool. So it was really cool. Um, and Simon and you know, they run over to him and they they talk to him, and mm-hmm. then they run away, and he comes back to addressing us, you know, the birds in the sky, the fish in the seas. And he he's doing his whole speech mm-hmm. and everything, and at the end he's like, Let's eat, and we all, yeah we start cheering and there's like 5,000 people cheering, yeah, you know, crazy. it's really cool. Um, really awesome that we got to be a part of it. Um, which that was my mom's doing. And I appreciate, you know, that opportunity to be able to do it. It was very similar to how we've discussed, you know, duck hunting in the past. Unfortunately, the best times to duck hunt are in the worst of weather mm-hmm. and it's the worst time when you're doing it. And then after you're like, I was glad to be part of it. Yeah. That's exactly how it was. It was Texas heat, over 100 degrees. We're out there literally from Dry, sun dusty. before the sun was up until, you know, the evening. And it, it was a extremely hard day to get through. And I literally had zero minutes of sleep that night before. I couldn't fall asleep for some reason. Um, so I was not pleasant all day. And paired with the heat, I started, cranky, get, heat yeah, <laughs> I started to get heat exhaustion. I remember trying to find shade at one point cuz we had hours and hours and hours until our next filming and I, there's just nowhere really to escape cuz everywhere's just packed with people. people there's everywhere. no air circulating where there's tons of people even yeah. though there's shade. Everyone's breathing. So I'm trying to find a spot and I, I see in the distance kind of off like quarter mile, a mirage. Is there's a like p- a tree line <laughs> and there's some hay bales. So I'm like that's where I'm going. Yeah. And I I ha- I have my little headphones in and uh i walk over to the haystacks and i climb up on top and it's in the shade at the time being mm. it's like noon i fall asleep or pass out one the two i don't know i was so exhausted i woke up almost an hour later like almost an hour later on the dot had no idea where I was. I was halfway in the woods on a hay bale. I look down and I'm wearing first century robes. Did I just travel back in time? And I hear Joe Rogan in my ear. I am so confused. And I'm so hot I can barely breathe. I'm like so tired I haven't eaten anything because I've already dry heaved and thrown up what I did eat earlier just from the heat. And I was recognizing that I that I was getting heat exhaustion, and it just was not good. I didn't know how long I was really asleep at the time, so I was checking my phone, and I looked up and I see just a field full of other people in first century, you know, clothes, yeah. and I see the like the chosen <laughs> sign, and I I remembered. It's like, oh man, I don't know what just happened. You know, <laughs> this is bad. But it was you know not great in that sense that the weather made it so. Hard and challenging to get through, but people made it through. All the filming was done. I uh, can't wait, you know, to see it in production, in post production, everything. Yeah. I think it's going to be awesome.
1: Sure, it'll be a little while before it comes out. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Um, editing and probably by soap. the end of this year. I know yeah. that they're going to have a couple episodes more than likely out, but we will see. Let me see what else. Uh, last night was it last? No, Friday night. Uh, zero zero. My band. We had a concert at. Kiss Bar and Grill you South Campbell. It
1: It was a good time.
0: Yeah, it wasn't bad. We ended up playing with the mixtapes here in town.
1: They're all right. I'm not a huge fan.
0: Yeah, they're good. Um, If you're into the 90s, 90s era music, which who doesn't love, you know, 90s era music. um, I just, you know. I have a very particular 90s taste which is why I am a good 90s not top 40 90s. I always want to <laughs> yeah, see, you know, <laughs> loaded with red hot chili peppers and yeah, you know, high loaded energy, with third good. eye blind but yeah. I understand they they're they're doing what they're doing, you know, to mass appeal which is which is fine. They're really successful at that. Um
1: and they 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 kind of they tend to bring a certain hipster following group of oldies, I'll say. It's a generation oh, yeah. just above mine, all right? They don't so like they, to stand up too they, much. They don't want to move. They're going to chill. They're just kind of Debbie Downers, drink their, you know, whatever crap beer, and just, you know. So it, it's not good for a show if if everyone's sitting yeah. down and chilling. Which, you know, we
0: played first, which we we open and we headline. So, you know, I would honestly oftentimes prefer to open i'm able to watch the band and or leave mm-hmm. which is nice i get to get my expensive gear out of there and yeah. out of the way of risk um but we played you know 8 30 9 30 really it was more like 9 to 9 to 10 ish um we we played an hour set like 12 14 songs something like that
1: the sound <clears throat> mixing was great i love the sound there they just need to rearrange some stuff i think yeah to make it a little bit more accessible to live music
0: yeah, their their table setup is but I garbage. think they
1: I think they lean on the food purchases. even That's though what a lot of people do. don't eat. Whole, you know, yeah. they're there. You're at a and bar, and I look in the back. I'm
0: I'm sitting at the bar, asking for a glass of water. Derek orders some food, and I look back and I hear,
1: <laughs> microwaving. I live,
0: There's two microwaves stacked. I'm like, uh, Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that.
1: Be trash food.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's that bar food. It's if you don't mind that frozen frozen type of food but uh, most people there were half drunk anyway so
1: they'll eat anything crazy price
0: but they have a great great sound uh great stage it's fun to play their lights are great the sound tech's awesome yeah um he's a really cool guy um it's always fun i just didn't turn up enough same with derek so we couldn't hear on stage at all what what we were playing
1: and i knew the the only thing that the mix was a little bit off was Rhett was a little bit too loud so he would yeah. overshadow boom, 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 boom. jake's no 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 his vocals oh, man. so he'd overshadow the melody and you'd just hear the high part on oh, most yeah. of the you know secondary scream or yeah. you know kind of screaming yeah, parts
0: i actually heard some of that in the recordings, which we'll you know
1: we'll talk about but uh did you hear see. uh springfield in the next 60 days is getting a whole bunch of electric scooters yeah, we'll see how that that's works That's going to be out. a good and a bad thing. I oh, yeah. guarantee a lot of them's going to be trashed, stolen. That's the thing. It's, it's Springfield it's, here. <laughs> unfortunately,
0: we've talked about our homeless people here are unique. And they just literally don't respect anyone's property ever. No. They do
1: what they want and get away with it because cops don't want to mess with them.
0: And they're going to have a hard time keeping a track on those, even with trackers, because they're going to figure out what the tracker device is. They'll figure it out. They're going to bust it out, and they're going to start stealing them. And then the city's just going to take them away, and it's going to be a big old cash grab of a few million dollars is dumped.
1: Well, and how how many idiots are on their phones swerving as it is? So you put a whole yeah. bunch of people. Yeah, on the where are you supposed to motor where, yeah, in Springfield? They're going to be all over look at, the road. Look all at downtown. Over, you
0: already can't even. It's going to be a nightmare. A bike. People's
1: going to be hit all yeah. the time. It's going to be bad. So it's in retrospect, it's a good idea, but it's not going to work here. I don't. Believe.
0: I love the scooters in Fayetteville. Yeah, Fayetteville was the, because see, it's was set the up for it. Perfect. They yeah. have big lanes in a certain area. You can park that you them go.
1: anywhere for the. The most part. And, Springfield's
0: yeah. not set up for multiple cars going at the same time and let alone add in bicycles and yeah. motorcycles and pedestrians walking. Um,
1: and you remember it? They would shut off so if bad. you got into a bad area. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. got too close to that fountain. It's like start shutting off completely. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. I had to get back to the safe zone here. <laughs> uh, well, let me see. i was say yesterday I kind of ran into uh, I was just doing some uh, garage sailing Mm-hmm. Just following some signs around, see if there's anything good. I got a couple good things, but I followed there's pro- I legitimately probably twenty different signs with an arrow. Okay, go here, go here, go here. I'm I've been going for thirty minutes driving and following these damn <laughs> things, and then at the very last one, you go to the thing. It's like, oh, turn left here, and then you go all the way down, and there's a stop sign, and then on the stop sign it says turn right here. I'm on the same road, and it just does a giant loop. For thirty minutes so No has, garage sale inside. That's, 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 I was so upset. But it was pretty funny. But I almost wrote <laughs> wrote a passive aggressive note. Someone there's no garage sale on the side. Literally thirty here. minutes of wasted time and a lot of gas, <laughs> just gone to follow these stupid signs that went nowhere. <laughs> Jeez.
0: <clears throat> so on that trip down to Texas that I just took, you know, like I mentioned like eight and a half hour ride. Down there eight and a half hour back. And I briefly mentioned uh, to you that I got basically the opportunity to play some of my favorite podcast episodes on the Tinfoil Hat podcast with Sam Tripoli and stuff. Mm. It was the Great Flat Earth Debate <laughs> with Eddie Bravo and a bunch of people and you and like a few doctors. And they are one side, obviously, the earth is. As taught by science and NASA and everyone that the Earth is indeed a globe. And the other side is like, absolutely not, dude. You don't know what you're talking about. I used to think your way, and now I think differently, and here's my evidence. And they talk about it. And they question each other, and they try and answer right on live. And, you know, it's a few hours, each one. You know, three hours, three and a half.
1: Right, because you'll start having a rebuttal against this topic. And then, you know, kind of get down the hole a little bit.
0: And then as a listener of the podcast, you'll need to pause it, and you'll need to look some stuff up, because okay, don't don't, don't just trust people, right, you know what right, I mean, right, yeah. make sure that you're actually looking it up, and having eight and a half hours is plenty of time yeah. to be able to play for my mom what has been perplexing me for two and a half years, and what I finally at least settled on the understanding of, I don't know what... The answer is, but the only thing that I do know, what they're saying, it isn't. That's my current spot where I have effectively 98%, I would say, disproved the ball model to myself with during this two and a half year process. That's all I've really done. By trying to see if there's merit, yes, by seeing if there's merit to this conversation, which is a ridiculous conversation. No one wakes up and being like, "I want to be a flat earther." No, you resist that crap.
1: That's against the grain. Yeah, you
0: resist that because you don't want to ever admit that you would want to believe something so stupid, right? Well, you know, it's not so stupid. Just like everything, challenging anything is not stupid. Just asking a question is not stupid. Just because you ask a question doesn't mean you believe in it nor not believe. It's just asking a question. You're inquiring for more information. So, what we're going to talk about a little bit is a little bit of humility and courage. And these two words are so lost to most modern Americans. Oh, yeah. Courage is misused, and humility is nowhere in sight.
1: Well, they, they're quick to say, you know, whatever. Oh, they had the courage to come out of the closet. or yeah. That's not they're the, so brave. the type of courage yeah. that we're talking about here.
0: The type of courage that we're going to be talking about, we're not talking talk about saving lives today, which we all in all agree is about the top courage that you could have, is saving another human being's life. You know, that is courageous right. to risk your life for someone else. We uh, all agree that that is indeed courageous. Another thing we're going to talk about, another aspect of courage, is knowing that what you're about to do is going to be extremely difficult, but it seems that for the greater good you should probably continue and keep looking into it and pursue answers because you can't just keep living in lies we at least need to know what to some degree is going on and fact check some of these scientists to make sure that you know just like your boss has quarterly meetups or annual reviews to ensure that what you're doing is adequate and accurate
1: and worthwhile
0: yes because God forbid that we give $50 million a day to a fake cause like NASA. Mm-hmm. Like, we wouldn't want to do something so stupid. So each side of the debate is going to need to bring a lot of weight to the conversation to convince me personally one way or the other. All right. Because I immediately understood what the flat earthers or the round, you know, that Community, the non-globers, I'll start saying, were saying, and I acknowledged and agreed with them that I have indeed been told everything and I haven't looked at anything for myself. I admit that. And that's my bad because I've regurgitated, you know, years and years of space and what I called science without any challenge at all, which is not correct. And I admitted that much. So I started there. And then. After hearing multiple conversations on, you know, a few different podcasts and hearing people that were the same as me, didn't want to admit. In fact, wanted to disprove these idiots for believing something so terribly stupid if it was so apparent and obvious.
1: So it made it challenged you to look for more answers. Yes, to search through the flood of information out so there so that I could prove that. We're, yes, yeah.
0: we are living on this awesome globe that's you know, revolving around the sun and all of these things, and gosh, man, um, I'm just not there at all. I don't see it even plausible anymore to be able to be what they say it is and how it is, and to support what I now am saying and believing for my own reality because it's my opinion and what, what I'm still working through and figuring out. I brought just a few points to talk about. And with some of these points, there's going to be some pictures that I can show you. And they're nothing, you know, super secret. I can give you the website, uh, which you can go and look for yourself all this information, which we'll get to. But I just want to bring up some challenging points that I stumbled upon in my path here that's, that really stumped me, you know. Because I'd never thought about it, never questioned it, and then all of a sudden I start seeing these questions that I can no longer answer with the answers that have been provided to me. And I was, well, is this is this true then? And then you look into their process of how they're telling you, and you're like, okay, wow. So they do have evidence for this study that they have here. Why then am I believing this if I can't find a study that cites
1: Backs it up. Yes.
0: It's like, okay, so yes, I recognize there is at least discrepancy in some of these, you know, things that they tell us that where we are, what we are, what we're on, where we're going and all this. I admit it. Okay. That was step two. It was like, okay, there are indeed at least some discrepancies. It's like, well, there have to be some constants then. For instance, can I look up the circumference of the earth? Because with that math, we can then apply it. Because math is consistent until it's weird and you letters. But there's different letters.
1: terrain in yes. different regions, so you have to kind of think. Obviously, it's not going to be a pure marble. You know no, I mean? but there's no it'll way, be close
0: due to what they say, right, right, how they show us pictures, these yeah. quote pictures that they show us. They portray it, you know. And just like Neil deGrasse Tyson said on Rogan, If you shrunk the earth to the size of a cue ball... It would be the smoothest glass, smoother than any surface. So they're pushing this scale, this ridiculous perspective of scale with no math behind it. But they say they have math. So I said, okay, give me your math, please. So, Tyler, the the circumference of the Earth around the equator is around 25-ish thousand miles. So a ring around the, the quote, fattest portion of the Earth because they tell you, well, the Earth's more or less a little oblong-shaped, kind of like an egg, but it's really not super noticeable. Right. Okay. So taking that, put that on the back burner for a second about the circumference 25-ish thousand at the equator. Why is it that whenever you take the circumference of the earth at places like australia to australia or canada to canada their circumference is equal and or greater it's about 25500 miles at the or at the australian circumference
1: how do you even know that how could they know i
0: that? i just looked it up today so again Again, correct. Right. I'm not doing it. So I'm just using the numbers and math that they tell me. And they, these are all NASA, you know, space satellite sites. Right. Uh, they, they tell you their numbers for what we supposedly live on. So I, I'm open-minded. I, I take their math and I plug it in. That shouldn't be the case. A smaller ring on the southern hemisphere, if we're a globe, would be much smaller around. And someone did the math, and they said it should be anywhere between 12 and 14,000 miles. If it indeed is a globe, as to where Australia would be sitting, and not 25,500. So
1: you're talking about a straight horizontal a straight line from, horizontal from on the, the bottom peak of the yep. globe. Saying. So.
0: So, see, I'm already having stupid discrepancies like this, and I'm like, this is dumb. So then I go back to the 1700s. You have tons of exploration and arguably the end of exploration. You have Christopher Columbus and Captain Cook and these people that were all in the 1700s, or, sorry, Christopher Columbus in the 1400s. Captain Cook in the 1700s was like the end of exploration due to a lot of the kind of issues that it brought about. One of them, he made three voyages in total before he ended up meeting his peril. And I read about this just a couple hours ago, so I'm fresh on it, right? And I wrote down some notes so I can recall it. It was very important what Captain Cook did because he was in the 1700s, like 1730s, 1740s, and he decided to circumnavigate around the area what is now called New Zealand from where he was so he ended up going down and he circumnavigated New Zealand and he came back and that was you know a year or two trip then his second voyage is probably the most important and the most talked about and now the most kind of hidden because he drew up some maps and there's tons of discrepancies in what he says and the mileage and what our math say today. And you can't say well they weren't accurate. Dude, they sailed with the stars? You mean to tell me they didn't know what a nautical mile was? You know what I mean? They could pinpoint but in a islands. Sea
1: of everything. Yeah, you can kind of get your general direction but it'd be hard to 100% map it with yeah. that primitive For technology. For sure. Not
0: necessarily mapping, but they know how far they go depending yeah. on wind and distance. And, right. Cause they are able to go back to islands pinpointed in the middle of the ocean that are tiny. Yeah. They can go straight to them. So to say that they didn't know distance is so naive and ignorant and it's doing, it's calling them idiots for navigating with the stars on wooden ships. You know what I mean? How many of us could do navigate a lake with the stars? Like, let's be real dude. So we understand and we can accept and agree that they were master navigators because they used the stars and the sun in order to find their way around, and it was really crazy. Whether they knew where they were landing or what was in between, they didn't know that, but they knew what direction they were going and how far they did.
1: I'm sure they had a compass or some sort of... Absolutely. They found their distance from the stars. You
0: can look at the North Star in Polaris and your horizon there's a distance and how these stars move at a certain time of year you can judge exactly where you need to go it's it's amazing it's amazing that they were able to figure this stuff out and that's where i believe human interjection you know came in some some transfer of knowledge was done at mm-hmm. some point but that's beside the point go back to the second voyage captain cook wanted to kind of do the whole christopher columbus job and truly find away through the Americas to get to Asia. He wanted to sail west and hit Asia. And he knew that there was landmass in between. He knew, he knew that obviously cuz it's a couple hundred years after Columbus and he knew all that, but he figured that you could find inlets and rivers and navigate your way up. So, they took 50 some odd explorers and they were working on the east coast. And they were going all up and down the East Coast, trying to find a way across and up Mm. through to get to Asia, whereas Captain Cook decided to scour the West Coast. So he started in Vancouver and started going all the way to Alaska. But that's his third journey. The reason why I skipped is because we'll tie it back in with what happens with his second journey. His second journey, he ends up stopping at uh, this port. I think it was South America. But he decides he's going to try and sail around the southern continent. That is, what is it, aura, or Terra Australis? Not necessarily Australia, but the southern the continent po- that they thought was all one. What we would call Antarctica today. Now, do you remember how, the circumference of the Earth around the equator? I said it was like 25,000 miles. Yeah, Yeah, 25,000 miles. Around the dead center of the fattest part of our globe, which you know we can't sail through. There's land masses. Right. His journey took him over three years, and he traveled 60,000 miles all along Antarctica Ice Wall. And he said he couldn't get... To the landmass behind the wall of ice but he could see it and it was just all snow, all white all ice with a nearly invisible mountain range way off in the distance and he circumnavigated Antarctica quote 60,000 miles. Now I ask you objectively Think about that for a second while I show you two maps.
1: Well, the way I... Obviously, is not going to be a straight line. They have to pull over, stop, and do whatever, you know. There's going to be ice. It's not going to be a perfect line anyway. So you're going to have to go left, right, dodge this, go around that. So you're going to rack up extra miles rather than go from point A to point B. For sure, but he was but not bouncing over, off yeah.
0: of the southern tips of any of these continents. So yeah. he he wasn't going up to like Africa and then bouncing back down, and then going over to Australia and bouncing back down, and then going but how to South could he America. Have
1: supplies needed for that. He kind stopped of voyage. off
0: on various islands that are that are around like the Pacific. So like he eventually yeah. stopped in Hawaii. I got you. But look, this map explains more or less why and where he would be going, if indeed the flat earthers or the non-globers are correct. If they are, he followed the ice wall around in a circle. And really, if you lay the top of the globe out and unravel it, that's what they're saying is more accurate with what we live on. I was like, Oh, okay, hold on a second. So it's basically still a circle. So it's still round. But the difference is Antarctica is not just a continent on the southern bottom of the earth sitting there. What they say is all of our continents, the top of us, it's like the top of North America is Canada, right? The top of Asia and Europe is Russia, right? And you have the top of these are all ringed around in a circle around the North Pole. The only star that doesn't move in our sky, right? Everything spins around... This, it's very, this central point, it's very strange. So again, I start getting weirded out by basic things that I never even, like, like dang it, stop showing me some of these things because I don't know how to explain. And then you, you throw in some of these weird flights that have happened. And if you go right now online, any flight company that does international flights, and you try... And put in, man, what is it, Queensland to, I think it's Buenos Aires, you would, on a map, right, you just go east. They're practically on the same line on a globe. They are. When you spin a globe, they're like right there from Australia straight east. Same latitude. Yeah, dude. If you scale, use the scale that's even presented on the map or on maps, it's like an 11-hour flight, 10-hour flight. Look up those flights, and you'll see it's like 42 hours. No other flights. And you'll be going over Alaska, L.A., and Chicago, sometimes Dallas. And you're like, wait, You mean for me just to go east, for me just to go east to South America, I have to go up to Alaska and down the center of the United States and eventually over Mexico City? That makes no sense. So then I start drawing it out on a flat earth map, on their map that they provided, and Here's the line. It's that same map that you looked at. Right. Does that not make more sense with the flight pattern? Because it's a straight freaking line. Dude. I mean,
1: maybe. It's just I don't I don't know enough about <laughs> flight patterns and you know, it they might have to stop off I don't know. I, I don't I don't know enough about that to make that even make sense. I to know, me.
0: and I don't either. But see what I'm saying is using their map on a globe, the shortest distance would be going around it. But using the flat earth map, you see why you would never go all the way and make a big round hook because the plane wouldn't have enough fuel to make that kind of flight because there's so much ocean in between. But instead, if you project those same flight paths on a flat earth map, it's literally a straight line right down, which is the weirdest thing. And there's another one that actually happened again. Don't take my word for it. Go look it up. You know, Australia to Argentina just go look it up another one there was a famous flight going from not mistaken from Taiwan and it was going to maybe LA and there was a lady on board a woman on board that started giving birth halfway through the flight so instead the plane had to divert and make an emergency landing they diverted to Alaska that doesn't make any sense on a globe. I looked it up on a globe. Why would you fly all the way North and out of the way hours out of the way to go to Alaska? There's tons of other landmass on a globe earth in between that you could be able to stop at that are much quicker, that are much shorter distances on a globe earth that you would simply, if a lady's having a baby, you're literally taking the quickest approach down, right? They landed in Alaska which matches this map and the flight path, which would be going straight across a straight line, which is the fastest point between two points, is a straight line. And it's not a massive curve over the ocean. I'm telling you, when I started seeing all of these things adding up, it didn't add up. Because just like you, I, I don't know enough to to say otherwise but I do know basic logic and common sense and you wouldn't be landing in Alaska for an emergency on that particular flight that on a globe earth is hours out of the way and totally not the position that they say your airplane is in in the sky it's man it's so alarming it's so not fun and unsettling sitting with a lot of this information because we get presented with pictures and videos and we just can't quite ever really trust them because you look at oftentimes the source and I don't want to be a source Nazi and all that, how people just discredit source just because it came from somewhere, but you can't trust NASA. they can't their trust en- anything. Their entire department is just, creator design type stuff they they have artists that draw pictures their pictures are not real they've been caught so many times doing weird stuff during their live streams you know just weird green screens and bubbles popping up when they're in suits and just nothing makes sense nothing makes sense at all it's very strange but the pictures that they show us They tell you what equipment that they use when they send up for a lot of these shots. They're all fisheye lens. They're all fisheye lens. I don't understand. Like.
1: Because I think you can get more oomph out of your. Yeah.
0: It curves the entire picture into a round circle. Because they used to do that for skateboarding videos.
1: Well, it's, you can, I think picture wise, you can have more in the same picture because it kind of distorts it out. reality yeah, yeah, yes it, out a it
0: distorts bit. the edges into a round shape yeah. that's exactly the point yet they have quote NASA satellite pictures from only 25,000 feet up right and they show this massive curve earth and there are amateur people that put a weather balloon up basically just a balloon and it goes a hundred thousand feet four times higher but they don't put a fisheye lens on it they put a regular dadgum camera dude and guess what it is flatter than a stinking pancake and the atmosphere blues out to where you can't see anything after a certain number of hundreds of miles which is what we talked about before it's more or less the sun isn't setting it's fading away from your perspective just like those pictures that you used to draw in art you put a dot in the middle draw the road and the right. buildings and you started doing everything off that perspective why is is it if it's not perspective, why is it that, that the horizon always meets your eye? It doesn't matter if you're on the ground, if you're in a tree or if you 're in an airplane, miles in the sky, if you look straight out, the horizon is there. Because we live with our senses, we can only see our own perspective. So our eyes tricks us a lot, man. you see a, a horse. 100 yards away that thing looks tiny he looks very small and if he rides away from you eventually that horse becomes the tiniest little thing and you can't even see him anymore and you would have no idea about scale size or distance because
1: that, that's just the lack of lack know, of sight power that we ma- have i guess correct or? magnification yeah. Yeah. that
0: brings me to my final point on this and then i'll leave it alone Magnification We can only see as far as our eyes see Unless we magnify our vision with lenses Telescopes, binoculars, things like that Allow us, cameras have lens Allow us to project our magnification And project light To allow our eyes to see them Because alone the atmosphere and our eyes Are too weak to be able to see You know, 20 miles away Well There are places that you can go and they're all over the world where they give you the actual math, you know, of the curvature of Earth because if 25,000 miles circumference, blah, 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 you can find the curvature of Earth by math by however many miles out the Earth should theoretically be curving this much. And with that curve, it doesn't go up, right? You know, we're not in a skateboard ramp. If it is a globe, it's a globe. So it just keeps falling. It keeps going around, around and around. So there must be some math for this curve. There must. There must be. So they tell us the math. You plug this math in. Nowhere does it work. Not some places. Nowhere does it work. Nowhere does it work. And the weirdest thing they say at a certain number of, you know, let's say... You're on this island, and you're watching a boat sail off in the distance. Yep, the reason why you can't see him is because, you know, he goes out so far, that's the curve of the earth, he goes over the top of it, and that's just why you can't see him. It eh, doesn't work, because guess what? They have live video and pictures, live video and pictures, multiple people, not just one, not just one, tons of them, that have amazing Nikon cameras with huge magnification lenses and they're on tripods and you they're fully zoomed out to where our natural eyes are one times you know just right there and then they keep it on the horizon and they zoom 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 Zoom, and after multiple seconds of zooming in, they're at like 65 times magnification. And then all of a sudden, a sailboat appears. And they do a detection of how far it is. And it's like 30 miles away. According to their math, that would be a couple hundred feet below the curve. But you know what their excuse for that math is? And this is, again, one of the final points that made me like, okay, you're a liar, dude. They said... That is merely a mirage. Light is projected off the water and you're seeing a mirage from the other of side of the curve that projects a hologram. And I'm know. like,
1: what? Yeah, that's that's a little bit weird. But I it, mean, obviously, your your eye distorts. If you look at a fish underwater, it's a foot down from where you're seeing it. Yeah, but that's if underwater. If you throw a spear, dir- that's what I'm saying. Yes. But is that going to make a difference if your atmosphere and then the water connects at, the ver- at your eye level? Is that going to kind of yeah. throw the, so they test the light that. a little bit they test
0: it with lasers no. just like you would survey they put one here like 50 feet up in the air and they go out 60 miles 60 estimating that the drop would be let's say 800 feet down because of the curve if i'm 60 to 80 miles that way i you know i don't have the exact math on me right now you can look it up though and understand that it's going to be an Absorbent number like this. It's going to be eight hundred feet below your horizon because we, they tell us that things are you know curving. So I try and plug it in. Not only does their math not work. Whenever I tell them their math doesn't work, they say it's a mirage and I'm seeing things. That things just magically appear. Yet okay, okay. So you keep that camera and you stay zoomed in on that ship. There's never two ships. So at what point does the mirage become the real ship then?
1: Well, they're not saying that it's duplicating the image. They're saying it's bending the image, moving it to a slightly different position. And
0: how? Light doesn't bend in any other way.
1: Oh, prisms. Absolutely it does.
0: Okay. What 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 prism is in between you and that ship? Well, that's what I'm th- that's what, what we're talking some, about.
1: Something about the atmosphere, the pollution, it could be anything that kind of I don't know. I, you know, I'm no And scientist. they do the same no thing. You can see this in, in
0: Greece. You can see an island that's like 40 miles away. You can see the Chicago skyline 60 miles away. Land or water. Shouldn't be possible with their math on a globe earth. These are all the predicaments. They can give me all these excuses that, again, I don't understand and don't make sense. But I'm trying to get down to just logic and reason at least a little bit of what's going on. And they're telling me that I'm seeing mirages that's magically bending light over a curve. And if That's what I'm saying. If it is indeed a mirage, Tyler, and it's over the curve, at some point, you're going to see the top of the mirage go down and they're going to meet and then it's going to build up into the original ship. Because at some point, the real ship has to emerge into your vision if I'm indeed seeing a mirage. It can't just be... Oh, now it's something, you know, no, unless it's flat and I'm still seeing the ship and they try and cover as more evidence comes out and they're frantically covering. And that's why these, these, these reasonings get less logical. They start making no sense at all. And that's why I'm like, I don't think it's a globe at all anymore.
1: But okay. Take a step back from all of that thinking, all that research what would it benefit? What would it even change your life in any way? What the shape of the thing, just because they are lied to you. Is that it? I'm a glad answer. No. Okay. There's two,
0: (laughs) there are two reasons, but ultimately one for domination and control. And you're like, that makes no sense. I'll tell you exactly why it makes sense. Believing in a globe earth allows the possibility that God doesn't exist in their mind. So they are all in on this is not a divine creation. This is a big bang of random nonsense. We are hurling through space. But you think
1: at, that random wouldn't be a perfect spe- a sphere? No, I don't. So that doesn't make sense. No,
0: then. no, random doesn't have to be, nor is it. It's, it's not mutually exclusive, you understand? Right, it, doesn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to be one way or the other. Yeah. I'm just telling both sides, show me evidence. And there's no one more prepared for conversation with evidence than flat earthers. Because they have to go against literally every single person in every mainstream everything to prove to me that you have any sort of water in a conversation.
1: That's just like atheists trying to disprove Christianity. Yeah, they've been doing it and for years. And then they try to go above and beyond, try to find all this research, yeah. and
0: and oftentimes what happens, they end up either quitting or they prove to themselves that God or pro- get probably to a point where, it's where just can't. faith,
1: ba- yeah. you know. And that's what I was ultimately
0: trying to replicate is. I need to find out what's going on. and
1: But why do you need to? This is what I was trying to get at.
0: Because I need to know why they're doing it. It's not the how. <laughs> but and why? This, what if we're not made no, to know? I ha- no, this part we are made to know. I figured it out. The why is to deny divine creation. Because they ultimately, this pushes that we're just hurling through nothingness. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do. We could be smashed by a rock at any point. We're flying a 1,000 miles spinning in a circle. We're revolving around the sun at 10,000 miles an hour. And our whole galaxy is flying 100,000 miles an hour. What, dude? So then, okay, I'll ignore the 10,000 and the 100,000. And I'll just chalk it up why we can't feel that number magically. Which makes no sense. But anyway, let's just say the Earth is indeed... Spinning 1,000 miles per hour east. How do planes land? How do helicopters and planes land coming in at 300, 500 Unless miles an Unless within the hour?
1: atmosphere, it kind of Oh, gravity being just like a magically. Oh,
0: just m- magically? Water still sloshes around in a snow globe.
1: No, you're talking about the gravitational pull from the inside of the earth.
0: What is gravity? We haven't figured that out. Well, yeah. That's what I mean. We're, what we're discussing and what we're finding out is that it seems to be more about buoyancy take an orange and you put an orange in water, it floats. If you peel that same orange, it sinks. So there's something weird. It's more so about buoyancy than anything and resistance. If you don't have buoyancy so we can resist ourselves to swim, right? That orange can float or it can sink in the same state. doesn't have to change anything. That's not more or less gravity. That, that alone is a weird, weird, weird contradiction for gravity, is buoyancy and dispersion. Because but you, that
1: in time would be the water filling the cracks and crevices, making it heavier, denser to allow it to sink.
0: To be less buoyant. Yeah. Correct. So it's about buoyancy. Do you see my point? Now it's yeah, getting yeah. weird. Now it's getting real weird. Because it's the theory of gravity. It's still not a law. Still to this day. Theory of gravity. Because we can't test and prove it. We, we talked about it in the past and I'm not smart enough to get into it because I don't, I don't know at all, man.
1: I'm not a physics expert by any means.
0: <laughs> but what they're saying, the people that are challenging and are starting to make a lot of sense, that it seems to be more about a buoyancy thing than anything. So whatever solution the object, said object is in, if it is less buoyant, it sinks. If it's more buoyant, It floats, and it's not just water. Look at a feather. Look at a piece of down feather even reacts different from a a feather. A feather will float down nice and soft. Down feather will float up. It does. The slightest bit of heat current or wind or just a breath will take this little weightless down feather straight up and start flying in weird directions, whereas obviously something heavy will f- we'll fall, but I think we have our physics completely misunderstood. We have, like, we know, like, what's happening, but not why or how.
1: Well, you we have scientists trying to yeah. figure it out still. I don't. I think we're kind of behind on the cusp of, you know, what's really out there. For
0: sure, but they keep telling us they know for certain, and that's the problem I have. And then they're saying, no, you don't know, yeah. we know. Because we're the scientists, or we're the astrophysicists. Like, they don't
1: know, seems like everything, given enough time, will be disproved by something else.
0: And that's the point I'm making. It's like, I don't believe that anyone truly knows for certain, but the people that are telling us that they do know for certain, their own math and their own evidence doesn't add up against their own evidence. So I can't trust them i can't take their information from them they st- they have yet to convince me whereas the non-globers have at least sparked my attention enough that theirs their realm their reality of what they believe that we live in this realm is probably more plausible than any chance that we're living on a globe it just doesn't make any sense with Windstream and currents and travel and navigation, the stars and the sun and the moon being more local and not in not 93 million miles away or 100,000 miles for the moon. Like, man, we're finding out so much that not all of the community is in a consensus, and they haven't ever been. But you've only heard, and I've only heard, the loudest, arrogant people. Mm-hmm. That dare stand up and say, <laughs>
1: well, and "How it's dare forced you challenge?" To be taught in schools and stuff. You yeah, know?
0: and we've, you know, talked about the gatekeeper process of what a lot of these educational uh, foundations do. They put you through hell just yeah. to weed out people that are not going to regurgitate exactly what they want you to regurgitate, which in turn doesn't help anybody and it only hurts their cause. It
1: just makes a whole bunch of cookie cutter people thinking exactly the same
0: yeah and now here I am feeling like an insane psychopath because I'm not believing a globe earth anymore, and I'm sincerely saying that I'm not being sarcastic or funny like i i I feel crazy for being one of the
1: a critical thinker, yeah, thinking against the masses,
0: and they did that on purpose it's like, well, okay, this goes back to what this whole podcast is, talking about uncomfortable things, even when someone's going to make fun of you. I've already been made fun of a bunch. I don't publicly talk about it. I'm not a flat earther. I'm not this or that. I'm I'm a thinker and I challenge it because I have no idea for myself unless my hands have been on it or my eyes have seen it. And even still, our senses could be messing with us. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard for anyone to say that they know any sort of absolute truth. And any any man that does that, I immediately scrutinize him because I believe that's completely wrong. No one knows the absolute truth.
1: Right, and you can't. Oh, I heard a strange fact the other day. And it kind of <laughs> came back to memory whenever you were talking about, you know, finding a whole bunch of people burned and stuff in that layer and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, it was written... Have you ever th- stopped and about, thought about how many millions of suits are just buried underground? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just all the people that's just There's buried, a whole like, yeah, party. That, yeah, that's, that's a little crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> well, I think even cemeteries in general are weird. We're, we're already landlocked. Why would you use—people's dying every second. Why would you utilize what could be used for farming, could be used for food, could be used for anything? It's to put a dead body. You know what I mean? Yeah. it's not helping anything. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's a very strange thing, but it probably does help. We just don't know it. It probably helps the mycelium and stuff, which is the literal main network and the Maybe. foundation of our of our decomposers. Like they're the main one, mushrooms. You know, we need that mycelial network underneath the soil to decompose everything, and all those bugs feed on those. And the mushrooms, fruit, and even small. But I feel like you take that
1: same plot of land, you put someone who knows how to work land correctly, they can get cropped for 50 years, 100 years. Yeah. They could feed thousands. Is for that sure. the same? Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm not saying use humans as fertilizers. Yeah, yeah. That's 100% not what I'm saying. Pretty but morbid. I'm saying, I think <laughs> that when buried low enough, I think it's probably part of the cycle of earth that was kind of meant to be where it's not really going to harm. Because how many people keel over and die? It's, it's, and land on top of the soil. Yeah, it's
1: thousands a so, second around yeah. the world. If so, I'm not mistaken, I can't
0: imagine honestly. It's like bad. It's dangerous for living humans to be around. You know, right? Disease, death, but and... but I, I doubt once the process has taken started and you know in full full steam. I I would highly doubt that it's bad for the earth. It's they're waiting. To be broken down into nitrogen and all sorts of things, and phosphorus, potassium, iron, calcium—that the soil and all these, you know, little things can feast upon—and it right. just recycles that process.
1: Well, it's kind of like the uh, um, in Louisiana whenever the the water was up because they're below the the sea line, oh, so they had yeah. all these people the, that are buried above yeah. the the ground start floating away. You know, that was and, the same oh, in man, Houston too. Uh, Houston,
0: Texas had those bad yeah. floods. Remember with the hurricane, and I remember they had a lot of issues with that, yeah. which would just be mortifying. You're trying to make it out alive, and you just see caskets and yeah, stuff. That'd like, be gosh, pretty rough. Let me see. Oh, uh, just just to finish on Captain Cook, real quick. He because he has a really interesting story that I didn't even know about. You know, he made those three three, three voyages. The second one was the one around quote Antarctica, or potentially the outer ring the outer ice wall of this earth this realm that we live in he just kind of literally followed the wall around like the bowl edge around the whole earth and it was sixty thousand miles he did it in like three years but the most significant part about the second voyage he was eventually awarded the copley medal for his discovery of different foods to prevent scurvy and that was over a citrus yeah, dude, it was over a 100 years before vitamin C was ever even like thought of or ever even studied right. and understood. He ended up um, figuring out rations and a diet for sailors to prevent scurvy, rickets, beriberi, and pellagra, which is crazy. So Captain Cook is owed for, you know. Yeah, that is kind of crazy. You know, that's a really interesting Interesting point, but his third voyage was unfortunately his final. On his way up that west coast, I told you remember fifty span or fifty explorers went to the east and he eventually went up the western coast. Well he stopped at Hawaii where he met Polynesian natives and whoever else was there at the time and had, you know, just an okay interaction. Right. And then he went straight up, went to Vancouver. And then followed the coast all the way to Alaska, where he met icy, unpassable waters, and it was just too bad. So he turned around. When he ended up going back to Hawaii, um, he got into a coral and the natives killed him. So that was his final, his final was voyage a, yeah. was the third. That was you know like seventeen seventies, something like that. Um, but Captain Cook was really interesting because he was just a guy that's like I'm. I'm just going to sail around that continent. But even if you go, like, left and right and left and right and left and right, let's say he did indeed sail around on a globe model. He sailed around Antarctica, which is the largest landmass that we you know, think we know on the, on the bottom of the earth and how they scale it and how they tell us the size They using their math. How do you d- double plus a sixth? So, 233%, yeah, basically, your journey. Two revolutions yeah, around. Yeah, two and a quarter revolutions around Antarctica, and you're magically just like, what? That's what... It doesn't make sense, dude. It doesn't make sense, guys.
1: No, something's up.
0: So, something was up in that three, four-year journey of 60,000 miles, you know, circumnavigating. And remember, this isn't an idiot. This is a master navigator, master sailor, master explorer, along with other explorers, and they... It was two ships if I'm not mistaken and they they say it sixty thousand miles to get around Antarctica, which sounds crazy, but if you see it on a ring and potentially circumnavigating the outside of the, you know, known continents that we know and hitting an ice wall and then circumnavigating the entire ring, I could see that being about sixty thousand miles by the time you get back. Yeah. I mean that's a long, 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 long journey. Way longer than what sailing around a small continent would be like. So I don't know. And uh, I guess I also, just one last thing to touch a little bit on ballistics and firearm. You know, we've talked about what happens when you, you know, go shooting farther than 100 yards, you know, 200 yards, you obviously have a bullet drop. The drop. Due to just velocity and weight and all this. And I've heard so many times about people that don't shoot because they're, they're retarded. Apparently, they like to speak on ballistics, yet they've never even shot anything.
1: Oh, we got those ballistic experts. Yeah, know. and they
0: say, well, you know, ballistic shooters and long range shooters and snipers. I always say snipers because mm-hmm. you know Hollywood. They always use the curve and account for the curve of the earth to measure the target. <laughs> no, use a standard dope chart. Use MOA or Mrad. Anyone that shoots rifles, anyone that shoots guns, knows no one puts any sort of curve into the earth curve. It's done with velocity, energy, distance, and wind. I, mean, I was going to say, take, take wind, the direction windage, and wind. yeah, distance from you to the target, the velocity of that, that, leaving the projectile
1: barrel going out the
0: weight of the projectile. Added with that energy, because remember, energy equals m c squared. You can find the mass and the energy and the project right. of, of things. You can actually find there's math, and we know this. You can plug it in, and not a single math it deals with the curvature of the Earth. <laughs> you know, it's it's so ignorant, dude, to, to even include that in the conversation. But you have to wonder if you're shooting a mile and two miles like they do with some of these, you know, massive rounds like the eight point something arc or eight millimeter arc and three thirty eight Lopua Magnum, fifty BMG.
1: Do you remember that movie with Angelina Jolie that would curve bullets around the world? Oh yeah, that was They so would stupid. sling it, you know, <laughs> they'd, they'd shoot a pistol and just fling it across and apparently go around the earth That's and so come stupid. back at him That's like, so he was 30 feet away from you. Why yeah, would you go the yeah. complete opposite direction just try to shoot yeah. someone?
0: It's, it's always Hollywood adding yeah. in these complete fabrications of reality and whenever Hollywood continues to tell me that space is real and planets are all this and you know the globe and guns are bad and it and they're just so contradictory all the time it just adds in they just just ask yourself questions you know find yourself answers and seek out people that dare to have the humility encouraged to go against the grain and try and at least figure out some sort of truth, just something. Because man, there's <laughs> there's almost none of it anymore. Even though the truth is being revealed, people are not seeing things. Everything is being exposed right now. This is crazy. Everyone corrupt and evil is being exposed right now. And it's so obvious it's so obvious. You can see their works. You can see things that they've said now immediate, like right now. You can just go and YouTube something or or go and search it online. As long as you're not using Google, you can find these things almost immediately. Yet we have people that still refuse to see, you know, these politicians for what they really are, or these organizations for what they really are, these agencies. For what they really are. And it's just another means to control. And dictate what you do in your daily life. And how you think. How to feel. And why. And they tell you all these things. Because as long as you're listening to them.
1: They have you right where they want you.
0: Yeah. And I'm you know. More and more people are becoming red pilled. More and more people are waking up. And realizing that at least something's. Something's wrong here. And that. Everyone got real crazy real quick, and it seems that no one is steering the steering wheel or pumping the brakes. They put a brick on the gas pedal, and they've jumped out of the car already, and you're in the back seat. You know, you're just stuck here. And you ask, well, what can we do? What can you do? It's the same thing we always say. Keep challenging. Keep talking. Keep asking questions. Keep talking to your friends about some of these topics that you might not want to, but they need talked about.
1: Yeah and just critical thinking challenge everything
0: because there's so many so many weird exposures that's happening that i believe because it's my own reality that i live in i believe that it's supposed to be exposed that god's exposing these um and it's kind of the one last call for people that are on the fence to pay attention because here very 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 soon God is going to be hardening the hearts and the eyes and the minds of people that have made their decision to not follow him no matter what. And then there will be no hope to be able to because you will be blinded by truth, quite literally by God. And that's a terrifying thing to read. You know, you're like, what? Like, even if it's front of your face, you're like, nope. Not going to accept it. This is a horse. Like, dude, you're holding a can of cola. Nope. This is a horse, Nancy Pelosi told me. You know, Nancy Pelosi. Old Nancy. She told me this is a horse. You're a you're an animalist, animal ableist. Mm-hmm. How dare
1: you dead
0: name me? How dare
1: you? Did you Gosh. see that video of old Biden falling off the bike? <laughs> and then falling he starts blaming. Oh my god, you haven't seen it? Was it the wind? It's super windy oh, out no, here. He, he blames it on some of the tr- the Trumpers out there, apparently. Like, they were in his way or something. He just, he comes kind of to a stop and just falls over. Straight falls over. Yeah, he
0: probably forgot he was even on a... So funny. On a bicycle. He's just like, huh? Oh,
1: someone said ice cream. <laughs> what? What? Come on, man. What? So good. What's wrong, Biden?
0: <laughs> China. Nope, not that guy. Yeah. It's pretty, uh... Pretty bad, pretty bad what we're, what we're kind of dealing with. And again, if you talk to people, man, it's, I don't know people that are happy (laughs) with what's going on. And do you know a Biden voter? Like I know people that voted for Democrat, but I, no one is admitting
1: they're all regretting. Their they're decision. all like,
0: "Well, I didn't, you know, vote for him. You know, I voted for Tulsi Gabbard, or I voted for all these other." You want to watch this for oh me? yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching Biden ride right a so bicycle. He's schedule. coming
1: in hot. He's got about ten people around him. Let's go, guys. Here and then he's here coming right here. Everyone's kind of in someone, his way. Someone oh. said ice cream. And he goes down. <gasps> oh, He's down. My leg. Man, my the leg. other the other camera has a better view, but he's down on the ground. Oh, Biden's down. Excuse me. Back up. Back up. And he just, he's having a hard time getting up. Yeah, he can't, yeah, he can't <laughs> find his way up. He's going two miles an hour, and he was down. He can't
0: find his way up. He's lost. <laughs> he's looking down. He's like, how do I get out here?
1: <sighs> There's got to be a better view. I've seen the other ones that are. Where you can actually see him, like, dipping down. <laughs> I don't know if that one's going to be better. Oh, yeah. Look at him. He's here like, he hey, guys. Hey, guys. And Plink just, fall <laughs> just falls over. He like puts a his, sack his feet of potatoes. on the
0: ground even, and yeah. he just can't stand. He just.
1: And I was looking, to see, maybe he had this click-in shoes, but I don't think so. No. Oh, he's yelling now. I didn't hear. I didn't know there's this part of it.
0: No, he's got his clown shoes on. Dialogue. That's yeah. that's what it is.
1: Oh, he's gonna go talk to the first young girl. <laughs> hey there. Can I sniff your hair? How are you, young young lady? You want to pet my leg hairs? In the, in the pool, you know my
0: leg hairs are just standing up. I have kids, rubbing my legs. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Isn't it weird? Who is, who is uh, who's steering the ship? Not him. Who's steering the ship? Does anyone know? Is it Obama from Basement? Does anyone know that? <laughs> is it Hillary? I really don't know. But it's definitely not him. It's very strange. You guys, talk to your family and friends if they are super ate up with this extreme extreme radical agenda. And that goes for any direction. If you're radical and extreme, you know, either way, that's not a healthy outlook. That's not a healthy know, perspective to have and if you're calling for the confiscation of guns, you're in that radical group. I'm sorry to tell you, but you are absolutely alone <laughs> with that. You have way more people in this country and it's not a realistic outpoint. We need gun control. We need gun control. You know that's not a realistic solution. It's not. Hundreds it. of millions of guns. There's like thirty to forty 40 guns per one person in this cut like you're not doing it's not realistic so can we talk realistically can we actually figure out real solutions can we actually figure out that taking guns guns are not an issue because there's law abiding gun owners we've already been through this millions and millions every day i've never shot anyone never had to never yeah. never want to you know there's nothing i'm not waking up with this itchy trigger finger i'm not you know a sleeping psychopath um, but unfortunately we live in a world where people are psychopaths
1: and they have mental problems going into it. Yeah. Did they lawfully buy the weapon? Probably not.
0: And honestly, probably in, not in most school shootings. In most cases, they legally obtain the weapons mm. with background checks. Yeah. But guess what? When you don't make a ripple in a pond and you're not a criminal yet, yeah. they can't prevent anything from happening here. Right. And no one can read minds. This is why we need education. They
1: don't know your true intentions.
0: This is the importance of education at an early age. Exposure in education. You need to expose children to firearms and the uses and utility and the safety of using guns correctly so that you you grow up and it's not a big deal. You're not just trying to play with a gun. And we need to get...
1: I think that was a, a main difference in our childhood was that, you know... Our parents would, you know, obviously take everything unloaded, put it in our hands. We we could see it, we could play with it. So it wasn't this new, shiny, crazy, off limits thing. We knew what it was, we knew what it was capable of, and we had the respect for it. And we didn't, you know, if we did happen to, you know, come across a gun at a friend's house or something else like that, we're not going to be start playing with it and start acting like, you know.
0: And they've done so many studies of children uh, in the like five five to seven year old, you know, five to eight year old range. And it's like, you know, that kindergarten, first grade, and they intentionally, you know, stage it to where they have, like, 20 kids. And they'll put, like, two kids in the 20 that grew up with guns. Yeah. And they talk about it. And they're like, you know, yes, 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 I grew up with guns, you know, I shoot. My daddy has a gun, you know, he he shoots. I've got to shoot. Like a BB gun or a twenty two. Right. And or then even if it starts off with of a Nerf them, gun or something. And then 18 of them did not oh. have an exposure. And they put all these kids in a room. And then they have a box sitting on a couch. And they go over to this box and eventually they open it up. And there's no parents or adults in the room. 20 kids. And there's a, a prop gun, yeah. but there's a gun in there. And it says like don't touch on it. Yet the kids open it They're up gonna, anyway. Yeah. The only kids that didn't want to play were those two right. kids and like one or two of the girls in the in the in the other group too. But were those two kids that grew up around guns? And it wasn't just they didn't want to play. One of them was said, "Guys, we need to leave it alone. Don't yeah. touch it. That's not to a toy." Yeah. Right. He was literally trying to tell these kids and get them out of a bad situation. Now you tell me that. Because kids are not smart enough in most cases to do really much for themselves. right? Well, So and they must be taught.
1: They're taught at a young age to button this, trigger that. So that if yeah. you see a block of anything and it's got a button or a trigger, that's going to be the first thing you're going for yeah. anyway without prior knowledge.
0: And it was, you know, it it's just truth telling. It tells you, just watching the behavior of children, you see these two educated and exposed to firearm children that have responsibility, whereas 18 other kids or 16 didn't at all. They immediately grabbed the gun, started pointing it around, playing with it, and you're like, look, this is exactly how it happens. And this is the parent's fault. The parent's fault for not teaching them that, hey, these aren't toys. They're fine, but they're not for you. You know, this is not a toy. The This does many different things. You can go get food. We can go shoot in the backyard.
1: But they always oh. have that stupid rebuttal of, oh, you're whatever percent more likely to have a, a home shooting if you have a gun around the house. Yeah,
0: which it ends up not being the case. If you look at the real numbers, those are suicides. Yeah. Because they lump suicides in, which is like 20,000 a year, which is the mm. mass number of uses of firearms are suicides self-inflicted. Mm. So we can't talk about acting like that's a real that's a different stat car- yeah. for the same situation. Because right. I agree, it's not at all the same situation. And this is the problem with gun facts and numbers. is
1: Everything's skewed. They
0: keep skewing everything to make it seem like an issue. And matter of fact, more people die from hammers and wood and fists. Fists than rifles by thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. And thousands. It's not even close. It's not even close. The number one guns used are not ar-15s nor rifles nor shotguns they're handguns
1: usually pistols
0: so again we need assault assault rifle regulations i'm sorry but you're speaking again on things that wouldn't have helped don't help the situation we need tougher tougher uh gun control we need background checks already got them but they say universal quote background checks what's that mean well We've already discussed we live in a state that is a non-registry, stay out of my business state. You don't need to know anything. You don't need to know everything. No. You get to know handgun, long gun, other. That's all the ATF gets to know. They don't get to know anything else other than we are we the FBI are running the background check on this person. Is this person a criminal or a felon? You know, are they doing anything? Are they a psychopath? you have to answer these questions and if you lie on a form that's a federal document that's a felony as well so you you shouldn't be forging your 4473 your background check because it's you know it's going to come back on you
1: yeah there someone's going to find out
0: <laughs> and most of these people they get guns through legal methods by going into a gun store filling out a background check buying it and coming home or having a family do that so what they're saying is even through private transactions. So places like here in Missouri, I can just give you a gun. You know, All I can right. just gift you a gun. Here you go. Here's a gun. Happy birthday. And same thing in Texas and a f- few other States. You know, they have the same thing. We're non-registry States. It's none of the government's business about dealing with, you know, if you're buying corn dogs and soda, why do you need to take a test for doing it? So it's kind of the same issue. And people are like, well, corn dogs don't kill people. Well, yeah, I know, but guess what? Corn dogs, does.: Corn so, dogs yeah, aren't <laughs> a constitutional right. Firearms are. Right. So um, that's bottom line. Bottom line, it's a constitutional right to defend myself. As long as criminals and police and government are allowed to have these weapons, so am I. Period. Yep. Period. You mean you could just go buy a tank if I had the money? I wish I could. Mm-hmm. It's criminal that we can't, technically. But shall we shall not be in friends. But we
1: can make our own tank. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> Same with you know 3D printing of guns and weapons and stuff like that. I mean, if you if you're creative and have some sense, you can create anything. Yeah. So put regulations on stuff that can always have a loophole or a side you know side around is just kind of ludicrous.
0: Yeah, and expecting law-abiding citizens to just keep abiding by more rules and laws when criminals are already criminals in nature because they're They're breaking laws, hence why they're criminals. The more laws you write, they're going to laugh and keep breaking them because it's just, they break laws. So you're punishing the law-abiding citizen for just trying to have a a fighting chance against some low-life jerk that's just trying to get money, food, or worse, trying to harm you and kill you. Like You should be allowed to defend yourself and a lot of these Democrats are pushing for universal background checks and and more, more, more laws like red flag laws and all that. No, no. Who is going to be in charge of that agency dishing out the red flags? Right. Oh, you mean people that don't like me and the fact that I own guns? Oh, those same people you think they're going to give out? Look at Chicago. Look how many concealed carry permits they give out. Same in New York. Almost None near impossible to get a concealed carry permit. But you want that to be in charge of everything. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because they're going to red flag you and I for just speaking out, Tyler. Right. For even saying anything against the grain. Red flag, you're a psycho. How dare you? You radical. You're a Nazi. You're a fascist. You're a this and that. You're, how dare you? And they're going to take away your rights. It's so obvious it's not even, you know, not even a conversation anymore with people that don't see that once they don't see the hypocrisy of their gun control arguments and they don't know the gun laws already, which was like 20,000 gun laws. Like it's absurd. That's 20,000 too many. We've, we've done nothing but, you know, uh, meet in the middle with these people and it's never the middle. It's always going to their side. Give them what they want. Give them what they want. And now, it's just absolute seizure of firearms. Is confiscation is what they're after.
1: Yeah, here's a pretty local store, or not local here, but uh, San Diego. You can trade in guns. They had a program that you can get gift cards to buy mm-hmm. guns with. So you trade in an AR-15, you get a hundred dollar gift card. You can use that to buy another gun. What do- What kind of sense does that even make? Stupidest thing ever. <laughs> We've got to get the guns off the streets. Too many guns and too many hands, they say. Like, that doesn't even make sense.
0: Too many guns. Yeah. Say that to the 12 year old kid from Oklahoma that shot the four intruders with his dad's AR 15 because he was home alone and they busted in. Yeah. Killed all of them.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, even the verbiage they use just. Oh, it's disgusting. In, in yeah. San Diego, ghost guns. Ghost guns. Unregistered firearms that lack serial numbers ghost guns are a growing problem in the children. City.
0: Will <laughs> we ever get out of this sacrificial slaughter of the right wing murdering children? These Trump supporting radicals. Yeah, it's all the words that they and adjectives that they put to. Okay, suck so apparently. More energy yeah, the you. gift
1: cards that you can choose, like. A normal visa card like a target gift card but people were using like normal visa cards you can yeah. go buy a you can use that as you know cash so it's so stupid
0: i mean the only benefit is if they're paying you like good money for like a high point or like a humanist yeah. oh, you could yeah. go in there and drop off high points for like a 100 bucks a piece well and, and i remember pick there's them up a, for like 50
1: yeah there's another story of like the kind of a trading program where they give you straight cash for whatever it was and they didn't have necessarily the rules of it, and so this guy would make homemade stuff at oh, a Home yeah. Depot stuff. Five yeah. had five dollars invested, would get fifty bucks back. He would go back and forth and do this and just just you know make a mockery of their whole program. <laughs> Meanwhile, they got PVC guns that they couldn't yeah, fire, I mean, or do anything. And
0: <laughs> listen, the the Chinese allegedly allegedly had the first firearms, and it was pieces of bamboo with gun like saltpeter. You know, saltpeter gunpowder jammed in the bottom, and they bore a hole on yeah. the top, and they would light it. And often, essentially, they literally Roman would candle. just blow up, or their yeah. hands would blow up. But <laughs> once they figured out the loads, they would wedge the end with rocks and boom, have propulsion, and they would have a shotgun. Yeah. So at close range, you know, the Chinese were allegedly the first to get kind of firearms in that capacity of shooting a projectile from an explosion and powder, which is really really crazy. Imagine if you were bow and arrow and you never heard anything like that and you were oh, fighting yeah. them and all of a sudden you hear this massive thunderous clap and explosion and yeah, you smell the be sulfur. be your guys be would awful. be running in fear. It'd be so awful. Because I believe you get what is it? It's like limestone from inside caves maybe mixed with sulfur or something. I can't remember what they do. Or so or like wood ash mixed with it. I don't know. They do something where they mix it the I know limestone, property yeah, and it, and it makes, it makes gunpowder, and they're able to, you know, a real primitive, like, black powder hmm. saltpeter stuff that that works, so it's just highly unstable. No. You know, it's not the best at all. It's why we don't use that kind of stuff anymore. Um, modern reloading is, as long as you're not doing black powder, most modern reloading is so safe and consistent yeah. as long as you're weighing everything. Yeah, if you do the
1: research and make sure you get math. the correct numbers or the amount quantity i guess
0: that was a fun endeavor doing the uh, like handgun reloading i did that for a little while my nine yeah. ammo well i was shooting a lot back at eagle armory which you know anytime you need to defend yourself this podcast is officially sponsored by eagle, eagle. armory you can go there and get your class three items You're talking nfa nfa stuff ladies and gentlemen from suppressors sometimes short build rifles short build shotguns can go right on in fill out paperwork oh, they, they got had, the silencer code and they
1: had a good uh father's day special i almost went in there and picked up a couple i of saw some I of those saw deals their, the flyer i was like oh man i better stay away save bunch money your guns a and ammo
0: reloading <laughs> supplies survival tools fishing gun safes rifles handguns pistols they got it all they got it including parts and pieces and accessories Zach so tear heart keeps a great stock shop uh, ammo is always a wonderful price in large quantities as well in bulk. Yeah. Uh, so don't miss out, Eagle Armory, Springfield, Missouri. We appreciate it. Um, Well, I don't know if I have anything else. What do you think?
1: Uh, I don't, yeah. I'm, it's hard to remember the last time we you did it and I'm trying to think of anything that came up in between this time. but Kind of drawing a blank here.
0: Well, for those of you who stuck around to the end, hey, we appreciate it. I've got a little teaser. Our next guest um, I'm already working on, he is going to be a real good story. I don't want to give um, much of his story away other than uh, his father escaped communism with them and brought them over here through a crazy process. And uh, he's from Romania. His name's David Lask, and he'll be on... Somewhere around the Fourth of July ish time, somewhere around there, he's going to be coming up from the boot heel of Missouri. Uh, He's a truck driver, so he'll be able to swing through to see family and stuff. And I think we're going to try and schedule him a time, you know, to come in and talk about it. But he, you know, kind of how he came, literally from a a baby in Romania to here Mm. and owning his own business and being independent, and now eventually being red pilled on top of all of that. So it's very. Very crazy, you know, his his chances of turning out the way they were um, to be so successful were very, very slim. But because of his father and his family, uh, they got him to a better place. That's why I'm very anxious to hear all about it. Um, So look forward to that one coming up soon. Um, Well, I've been Grant. I'm Tyler. Hey, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to Beard Pros Campfire Fun Time.
1: Love you. See you later.